0: This is the moment where we still ourselves, especially in this service. What a nice time it is to pull ourselves a bit apart together and be still, be quiet. Let our soul take rest. In the words of the psalmist, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths be pleasing to God this morning the God who experiences us, who receives us, who draws us together as family.
1: This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Psalms, number 139, verses 1 through 18 on page 608 of your Bible. The Inescapable God, to the leader of David, a Psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shiloh, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was when you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, they are more than the sand. I come to the end, I am still with you.
0: I'll invite the young folks to join me up front if you like. I know that our loose offering this morning is going to a special, to Mercy House. I forgot to mention that this morning, but our loose offering this morning during the oblation uh, will go to Mercy House. Hello, my pink friends. How is everybody? Yeah? Good, good. Do you remember, have you ever heard of the book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? I bet some of the folks here have heard of that book or read that book. I'm starting a new one called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Choir Practice. (laughs) Because Jessica, who is leading our choir right now, is uh, teaching us really interesting things. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, she taught us the difference between singing a note just kind of straight and bland and singing a note that is alive and that has direction. And this Thursday night, she kind of fine tuned that, to coin a phrase, she fine tuned that a little bit and she said, any time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said, any time a note is held more than one beat, there's a reason for that. And that that held note should have life, it should have direction. And we as choir members can choose what direction we take it. Maybe the note grows louder, maybe it grows softer, maybe it changes meaning over the time that we're holding the note, but you don't just hold a note as a singer, you hold a note intentionally. And I've been thinking about that a lot as I have been thinking about the breast cancer work that you all are doing this week. Um, Because it's a very adult thing that you're doing this morning. Breast cancer is a really serious topic. It's a horrible, horrible thief stealing a lot of women and a few men from us. I actually have a friend who is a a man and has breast cancer. Um, And so it's a really horrible thing. And On the other hand, raising money to help create awareness and to help fund research is a really beautiful thing. And I think it's so interesting that pink has become the color that breast cancer awareness has adopted because pink is such a happy, vibrant color. And that's what I mean by this being a very adult thing. The ability to hold different thoughts, to hold conflicting thoughts at the same time is an adult thing. The the ability to say, breast cancer is really sad and we're going to joyfully work to end it, holding those things together is an adult thing to do. There's a woman um, named Diana Vreeland. She was very important in the fashion industry. For many years she was the editor of Harper's Bazaar and then went on to be the editor of Vogue for many years. She was a very powerful woman and she had a quote that I've always thought was really funny and charming and insightful, Diana Reeland says, pink is the navy blue of India. And what that means is that pink has different meanings in different cultures. In India, pink is navy blue, meaning like it's the workhorse of colors. It's a basic color, boys and girls wear it. You don't just wear it for special occasions, you wear it every day. And it reminded me this week as I was putting on all of my pink, my pink heart ring that I hope somebody may be able to take home with them. I have a pink watch on that my friend Yvette loaned me. I have a pink bracelet that the women in Africa made for me. I have the pink that I wear just because I love pink. But I was thinking about the meaning that you all are creating today. You are calling our attention to the importance of breast cancer and being aware of it, of funding its research And you're also reminding us of your own power and how much you care about changing the world and about creating good stuff in our world and in our church. And as a church, I think I can say safely that we're all really appreciative of what you all do to make this church such a special place because you're a really important part of it. Could I ask somebody to light the pink candle for me on the communion table? Anybody wanna do that? Mackenzie, why don't you do that? Um, we, Anne and I included the pink candle to remind us of breast cancer awareness, of course. If you just, yeah, just light it off of the white candle next to it, that would be great. That's perfect. Great. Let's say a prayer. Gracious God, we pause in this moment to thank you for our health, to thank you for your desire for all people to be whole and healthy, to thank you for the care and commitment that is shown by the young people in our church calling us attention to the fact that we can create good in every moment, that we can turn darkness into pink light. Thank you for surrounding us with your love. Thank you for giving us creativity and commitment is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you all are, I think, are you all headed out? Okay. As you all are headed off in pink glory, um, the congregation is going to remain seated for its next song, uh, which is uh, included in the bulletin insert.
2: Darkness and Light. As days shorten, nights come sooner. Darkness hides what yesterday was bright with sunshine. And we think, it's dark too early. Where's the sun? And yet, and yet. When darkness covered the face of the deep, a voice rang out, let there be light, and the light was good. Darkness comes with seasons, with loss, accident, illness, estrangement, death. Then where is the light? It seems dimmer, diminished. And yet, and yet, there was evening and there was morning. Again and again we hear, we read, we feel, we know. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I do not fear, for you are with me. Moment by moment, all through life, darkness and light move and mix. In the midst of pain, of loss, of sorrow, do we forget? Even at the end of life, we are assured, I am with you, I am still with you. The psalmist reminds us again and again, even though I walk, I do not fear, for you are with me. Darkness and light, seasons and life and love and pain, moment by moment, day by day, darkness and light. And yet, and yet, even the darkness is not dark to you, Night is as bright as day. Darkness is as light to you. And so we say, you are the light of the world. With you we will never walk in darkness. We will shine with your light. We will shine in your light. For you are with us. You and your light are always with us.
3: mm
4: We've been uh, observing creation uh, season for about six or seven years now and every time we uh, choose a different theme that goes along with creation season. Um, when when Janine Sledum was here and Kathy Hopkins we all really uh, went with gusto in planning these services and I think they're very special uh, because we we were aware that there was no part of the church year that celebrated God as creator. And I think that's where the impetus came from, and it started in um, Australia, as, uh, and it just kind of took off here. Many, many churches are now celebrating uh, creation season. The, the theme is God's rhythm of transformation. And that will kind of guide us over the next four Sundays as we think about uh, all the many different ways that uh, God's power of, of transformation uh, can be seen just about anywhere we look. And uh, one of those uh, themes that kind of goes along with God's rhythm is this, this idea of light and dark. And that's why we've chosen that for this fifth Sunday. And you might remember in, in your own studies that um, one of the first things that that God did in the uh, creation story in Genesis uh, was to create uh, light and dark. And so there it says in chapter one, verse three. Then God said, uh, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God uh, separated the light from the darkness. God called the the light day. And the darkness God called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So right from the get-go, we are put on notice uh, that light and dark is going to be a very important theme throughout the Bible. And uh, we don't get very far in the Bible till we realize that uh, we can't have one without the other. And if it was just simply light all the time, we wouldn't know that it was light uh, unless there was darkness. And if there was just darkness all the time, we would not be aware of light. And uh, that's kind of a strange concept, but it's because of this back and forth, night and day, light and dark, that then becomes kind of a rhythm in our lives. And of course, next Sunday, we're gonna be turning our clocks back for an hour, uh, and that always messes me up, and I wish they wouldn't do that, uh, but it kind of makes us aware um, of, of how light and dark functions uh, in our lives. And, and many times when we've gone through you know, setting the clock either way, um, it makes me aware of how rhythmic my life is. And so uh, even playing with it for an hour uh, tends to put me off, off the beam and uh, I wish they would just stop it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we get the sense, too, uh, that, that light is good and, and darkness is bad. Um, and sometimes that's okay. Um, light means life. Uh, it, my, it means awakeness and awareness. And uh, dark means sleep and dreams. And we have a a term, uh, the dark night of the soul. Uh, Often we wake up in the middle of the night, uh, whether we're dreaming or not. But we are acutely aware of what might be wrong in our lives with someone who we need to deal with or some situation we need to handle. uh, Often, uh, by letting our uh, conscience Uh, Go for eight hours uh, and kind of exposing ourselves to the subconscious during uh, sleep is really risky. Um, And often uh, people have dreams and then we just kind of ignore them or don't remember them. Um, But um, the uh, psychologist, philosopher, Carl Jung, uh, studied the subconscious, uh, was very aware of it, in fact, he thinks it's everything below the tip of the iceberg, and uh, all of us are connected, uh, very, very intimately in um, in the subconscious. And uh, so, there are so many different ways that this metaphor can be used on our own lives. And then, it's not always light that's good. And There's another story uh, still in Genesis that I think is very, very interesting. It's always been interesting to me, and that's the story of uh, Jacob uh, wrestling uh, on that very, very fateful night. You know, he he stole his brother Esau's uh, inheritance and um, it was all a really nasty thing going on between these two brothers. And so Esau kind of fled and uh, created his own life. And, and then you've got this whole brother problem uh, that Jacob wants to be reconciled with his brother. And so he's become very rich, and he makes the journey with all that he has. And then he lets uh, some of the some of the animals go first, and then some of the children, some of the women, uh, more uh, more servants, more um, animals, and then finally, they all cross this river, and Jacob is on the back of the river, alone during the night, and and the sto- the story says uh, that. Well, let me just read it. You you probably remember it. Um, uh, The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the river. Uh, He took them uh, and sent them across the stream and likewise, everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, which means holy. For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at that thigh muscle. Um, I think this is a story that we can kind of all identify with. It's not clear at all what Jay, who Jacob is, is wrestling with, um, but whoever it is that was able to give a blessing to Jacob. And, of course, um, the idea is that he wrestled with God. I mean, that's what's implied. And it kind of goes against what the Old Testament tells us in, in that you cannot be in the presence of God and survive. Uh, but here we have this, you know, sort of the darkness. Uh, Jacob is all alone; and everybody else is across the river, and so uh, in the darkness uh, he wrestles, and he wrestles all night. And who are you? And what's your name? And bless me, and all of that. And then we get this this, this very moving, powerful image of the sun rising and Jacob limping away. That is just an an incredible story for me, uh, because in wrestling with God, he prevailed, which is shocking. The only person who prevailed against God was Moses in uh, in the book of Exodus. And so here we have this odd uh, juxtaposition, this movement going from a past life toward a future life where we're not sure if reconciliation is going to happen or not. And so that's the dark night of the soul for Jacob, and it's kind of almost like a metaphor for us. We often wrestle with things at night. Sometimes we prevail, sometimes we don't prevail. But nonetheless, we wake wake up in the morning uh, after having a a vivid, powerful dream uh, changed. Changed by that dream. Um, In fact, uh, Joseph later on, he was called the man of dreams. He was the one who dreamed uh, that he was going to be powerful and all his brothers and everybody were going to bow down to him. And uh, so uh, even in Egypt, he was able to um, uh, dream about some of the others in the prison there. And uh, what he dreamed took place. And then uh, Pharaoh got notice of him, and uh, on and on it goes, this, this man of dreams. And so, in the Bible, uh, it takes both light and dark very, very seriously. I know in our culture, you know, all we want to do is go up, all we want is light and, and all of that. But I think it's very, very important to go down. And it's difficult to go down. Uh, we don't like it. What I mean by down is... Uh, that something is taken away from us, Uh, the moment is no longer there, Uh, we uh, get sick, Uh, we go through difficulties with uh, marriages and relationships, Uh, we struggle with people at work, Uh, things going on in our culture become very, very difficult to us. And so there is this sense of uh, losing the optimism that you once had, the the hope uh, that things would be simpler uh, but we have these experiences in the Bible where where people go down. And uh, I keep reminding people that in order to rise up, in order to experience the rising up and the transformation, a death has to happen. And that's the part that we ha- find so difficult, is that a death has to happen in order for there to be a transformation. And of course that That story goes on, and um, the text that Ray uh, read to us this morning from uh, a great psalm, Psalm 139, I often use this uh, at funerals because uh, the bottom line is that God is everywhere. But it is drawn out so poetically and beautifully uh, that you really do get the feeling that wherever you are, God is there. There's no place you could go. Uh, where God is not. And of course, it kind of glosses over the idea of the grave, uh, that even if we go down to the grave, uh, God is still going to be with us. And so uh, we take these ideas um, into our own lives in a way that makes sense to us because we've experienced these things. And uh, there are times when uh, you might get up before the sun comes up to meditate or whatever you do, Uh, And there is that sense, uh, as light returns, as the sun comes up, there's a new day. And thank God, the coming up of the sun is always a new day, because the sun is coming up, and it's a new day, a day that has never been experienced before. And there are uh, old cultures that used to think that by their prayers and by their celebration every morning, they brought up the sun. They made the sun come up. And so they they did a ritual, uh, waiting for the sun. And uh, it's very poignant uh, because over the years, uh, we don't really get a sense of darkness because we have electricity, we have lights, and um, we have a a thing called light pollution now uh, so that we can't really uh, see the vastness uh, of the universe. And I think one of these pictures around here uh, from Joshua Tree shows stars, stars imagine that. And I read, I read yesterday that uh, astronomers believed that there were uh, 200 billion galaxies, and now they're thinking more like in the trillions of galaxies. It's just mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling, the beauty and the proportion and the, f- and the terror uh, of the largeness of life. And so we become aware of that. I I read an article some time ago where uh, they thought they were going to get us to a point where we don't need sleep, uh, where we can take these medications and we can be awake all the time. And I thought, that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really bad idea. Um, And sometimes people have insomnia, uh, as I do, and you get into bed and you lay there and all you can do then is think. And things come up and they go through your mind and you know, and around and around you go, then it's one o'clock in the morning and then three o'clock and then 5.30 and then 6.30 and the sun is up and you wonder, what just happened to me last <laughs> night? I'm tired. And that emphasizes this idea of the rhythm of God's transformation. It can happen moment for moment. It can happen day to day. And we have this sense of going on and off, on and off, death and life, death and life. And if there's any movement in the Bible, it is that. That is the rhythm of God's transformation, is going down in death and rising to new life. And that's how it has always been, even before there were human beings. That is the rhythm of God's creation, going down in death, rising to new life, and God is always with us, no matter where we go, no matter what happens to us, no matter what we say or what we do, God is always going to be there with us every step of life's way. Now, I don't know about you, but that is very comforting to me, knowing that I will never get out of, out of the reach of God. Uh, we, can, we can turn that creepy if you want. But to me, uh, it's very soothing, uh, knowing that um, we're not alone. We're just simply not alone. And then we've got this beautiful, beautiful psalm, 139, that just kind of lays it out there in a very beautiful way, very slowly. It's almost a hymn. It's a song. It's sung. And up it goes to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We
0: come to you in the rhythm of light and dark your holy drumbeat of time marching onward and inward in the recreation of immortality. Loving God, your pristine knowledge of all that is possible holds and creates us. Your perfect memory of what has been draws us forward, dark into light, potential into actual, as we dance with you in the improvisation of becoming. We come to you in the rhythm of light and dark, the possible and the permanent, the constancy of new experience and the entwined essence of birth and death. We come to you in the rhythm of light and dark. You are one and we are many, held as one in you, a family of families together on a journey we come to you in the rhythm of light and dark, and you experience us and we participate intimately in you, the possible and the actual, glancing each other across the circle which is held together by the perfect blending of all its points. We come to you in the rhythm of light and dark, as you search us and know us, in the pre-spoken dim of our words and in the warm light of the actual poem, the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths hymned together behind and before in knowledge too wonderful, too lofty to be anything but divine. Where can we go, God of love, where you do not already exist? You know our going out and our coming in, From the heavens to the depths, from brightest dawn until deepest night, you know us completely, possible and permanent. You constantly lure us toward your fluid perfection. Because you created us, we cannot hide from you. Because you created us, we come to you in the rhythm of light and dark. Held together as God's family, we say this morning the words that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.